0: Well, I don't know if you remember a certain age where you went, oh, mom and dad were right. And some of you are like, I'm never going to hit that age, I've never hit that age, I don't ever see that age coming. Other of us got to our 30s and went, oh, mama had told me or dad had told me, don't do that, be careful of that path, be careful of that person, ooh, you might want to think before you marry so-and-so, and oh, it took me like five years before it dawned on me that maybe they were right. You know, in our series, Word to the Wise, we're looking at a book of the Bible called Proverbs, which is primarily a letter written from a father to a son to say, be careful of that, watch out for that, here's how you navigate this, and often the characters that are discovered in, the, in this book called Proverbs are the fool and the wise, occasionally the dangerous, But primarily the fool and the wise is this father telling his son or daughter or the reader, be careful not to make the same mistakes I've made. And yet I think often we do make those same mistakes. And we're going to discover today how to deal with the fool inside of all of us, the part that needs to grow up, the parts that need to develop new habits, stop doing the same thing over and over again. And the Proverbs is filled with little phrases. And so what we're going to do is, as we've been doing in this series in word games, is we're going to do different word searches and crossword puzzles. Today we're going to play a little Wheel of Fortune, and we're going to look at two phrases you might recognize and maybe a phrase from the Bible that you won't until after we're done today. So let's start. We'll play the game together. We'll put a little Wheel of Fortune up on the screen. So this is a phrase. This is a proverb that does not come from the Bible. This is a proverb that you may recognize. I'll start by giving you a few letters to put up there. And see if we can call out some letters and solve this thing together. So who wants to call out another, you can call it a vowel or a constant. Who's got one for me? An A. All right. An A. Let's see. Yes, we got one A. Uh Uh-huh. Just one A. So there we go. What one A? All right. An S. All right. We do have an S. One S. One S. S. There it goes. One S. A T. T And no, no T. Sorry, no T. Alright. Another letter? An I. We do have. Two I's. There you go. Two eyes. An O. We do have an O. There we go. Oh, I'm sorry. This was not an I. I am wrong. This is a D. This is a D. Sorry. Sorry. I should, at my, I should have looked at my list here. I was trying to do it off the top of my head. All right. So one I. So we have do have a D. All right. So I'll add D to the list and O. All right. Anyone else got another letter or they want to solve it? We've got to solve here. A chip on your shoulder. There it is. All right. So that's a phrase. That one does not come from the Bible. But again, it's a little pithy thing that reminds you, hey, I think you got a chip on your shoulder. Alright, category number two. It's another phrase. We're gonna give you a couple letters to begin. Alright, who's got a letter for me to add? Blank, blank, blankety, blank, blank. Alright. We have a solve. Somebody wants to solve it within the nick of time. Nice job over here. There we go. Alright, this one, this next one we're gonna talk about today comes from the book of Proverbs. It is a very practical but long phrase might take us a little bit more time. All right, we'll give you the same letters to get us started. There it is. Does anyone in this section want to give me a letter? Oh, All right. Make sure I don't screw it up this time here. We do have some O's. All right, a lot of O's, actually. All right, we got an O. We got an O. We got an O. We got an O. We got an O, an O, and a O. There we go. A lot of O's. All right. Another letter, how about this section? You guys got a letter? An E. Yes. We have an E. And that's it, just one E. Okay, uh, we'll go to this section. We'll try to pass it around. How about this section here? And, oh wow, that's great. Okay. Uh, an I. <laughs> Alright, any more eyes? Yes, we do have two eyes. See if there's any more. Yeah, just those two eyes. So two eyes? Alright, this section? A Y. Okay, why? D. D. Do not answer a fool according to his folly. All right, sounds like somebody wants to solve it. <laughs> Do not answer a fool according to his folly. So what does that mean that not get sucked into the game of somebody who's foolish and you end up because they yell, you yell, because they blow up, you blow up. How do we not get sucked into the games of family members or people we work with by not answering a fool according to his folly? Here's what's interesting. It's very easy to see other people being foolish, but hardly anyone sees in the mirror when they're being foolish. I don't think there's a better song Uh, that's come out in the last 50 years that talks about that idea, than maybe the Beatles song about the fool. What does it look like to see foolishness around us but not in ourselves? How do we manage the fools around us? But more importantly, how do we manage the fool in ourselves, our tendency to make the same mistake over and over again? Let's listen. So there it is. The fool doesn't listen. just keeps going around and around. You know, when you play games with fools, you're always going to be frustrated. And Why is that? And it shows up in many forms. Maybe you're you're talking to a family member. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a parent. And you're reasonably sort of building a, a reasonable defense for an idea or a concept. And no matter what you say, the person's like, no. In fact, the more you give advice, the more they want to do the opposite of that advice. And you're like, this is so frustrating. Or maybe you've had an employee who has incredible potential. And you know what potential means? I haven't done it yet. So potential. You see the skills and you're trying to channel those skills to be able to, to get the best out of them. But you keep going in circles because they always have an excuse as to why they can't get it done. Or maybe you've seen this in your life. Or maybe you've seen it in the life of your kids. Someone who immediately has a best friend. And they've just become the best of friends. They hang out all the time. And then that friend says something that this person doesn't like. And they just blow up, disavow them, and then they rewrite history. They were never my friend. They've always had an agenda. You see this with divorces all the time. You see this with whoever just got quit or laid off at the business, right? Everything was their fault for the next two years. Uh, you know, the, whoever just left, the revisionist history. And they make another friend. Somebody pushes back on them. They disavow that friendship. They rewrite history. And the thing is, they don't even realize that this is a pattern in their life, that they're doing over and over and over again or maybe a family members you've been in your own life you haven't known any financial margin so you come up with a plan you're going to save a little bit more you're going to work a little bit you're going to sell a little bit you're going to upgrade whatever it is so when you finally get a little bit of time margin and a little bit more money coming in and as soon as that person that you know that does that they immediately go and buy a new car or buy a bigger house And all of a sudden, the margin they said they wanted gets squished again. And the pressure on their marriage, the pressure on the hours they're working, they're right back where they start. No matter what step they're on in their career, there's never any margin. Why? Well, the Bible has a really clear proverb as to why, and it's what fools do. Are there any dog people in the room? any dog people some dog people all right so maybe you've had a dog we had a couple dogs growing up and the dog has come our dog's name was rusty for example rusty come on here rusty so rusty comes over and, and, and as rusty comes over he's licking your hand and all of a sudden you realize that rusty must have eaten something that's not going well because rusty's like oh and your dog throws up all over the carpet actually that's cats cats throws all over your outside the dog's outside so he throws all over the sidewalk and you're like oh nasty oh and then it gets worse right the dog's like feels a little bit better (laughs) looks down and says oh dinner (laughs) and you're like no oh oh don't kiss me oh don't mouthwash in the dog this is nasty well there's a proverb here that we're going to look at today that says as a dog returns to his vomit so a fool returns to his folly Why would you eat that? Why would you lick that? But foolish people do the same thing. They return to the same pattern over and over again, and they repeat the pattern over and over again. Which is why you have to deal with looking at those areas in your life. Where do you repeat? Where do you return? You know, it hasn't worked yet, but you blame circumstances. This time it's different. No, no. It's a habit. In fact, there's an old book called The Book of Five Chapters. Here's how it goes. Chapter 1. A man's walking out the door, doesn't see it, falls in a hole. Chapter 2. A man's walking down a road, he sees the hole, falls into the hole. <laughs> Chapter 3. Man sees a hole, tries to walk around the hole. Oh, oh, I think I, I, I oh, oh, phew, he fell in the hole. Chapter 4. Man walks down the street, sees a hole. Backs up, decides to jump over the hole. <laughs> Whoa! He fell in the hole. Chapter 5. Man reads chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 and goes down a different street. This is the difference between the foolish person and a wise person. A wise person learns the lessons of the people around them and they try not to repeat the same mistake again by learning the lesson. They don't return and they don't repeat now this is true personally, it's true in families as you parent, and it's certainly true developmentally. Peter Druckard said in 2017 that the best CEO in the country was Frances. Frances Hellsby, and she was the CEO of Girl Scouts of America, when she was being interviewed for the job, she said, Girl Scouts has got a problem, we are doing the same thing over and over again Over the last couple years, we have declining membership. We haven't changed what we're doing. We're stuck in bureaucracy. If you want me to come in and lead, here's the problem. We're repeating the same mistakes over and over again. There's no diversity. There's no change of methods. There's no innovation. We've got to change how we do things if we're going to move forward. She came home that day and her husband said, how'd it go? She said, there's not a chance they're going to hire me. I told him all the things that are unfixable that they haven't wanted to address that had to be changed. And sure enough, they hired her. And Peter Drucker said her ability to define the problem, how we're repeating, say how we got to do things differently, the boundaries and consequences to that, is what changed the organization, which has really been revitalized the last few years. So whether it's an organization, yourself, a child, an addict in your life, how do we manage difficult people? And the Bible gives us three proverbs for dealing with that sort of dog returning to their vomit kind of concept. Number one, it says do not... Honor a fool. Number two, we're going to learn, you know, how not to answer a fool. And then three, we're going to learn how to not communicate through a fool. So first, the first proverb is this. Do not honor a fool. What does that mean? When somebody does something foolish and you reward them for it, they learn that foolish things get rewards. So even though you're trying to be nice and you're trying to be kind, you're not serving that person well. When you promote somebody too soon in their career and they don't have the habits or discipline yet, they're going to actually be at a higher level with higher consequences when they fail. So just like snow doesn't belong in the summer and you don't want it to rain when it's harvest season, so honor is not fitting to a fool. And so, think of a fool as somebody at this level in their developmental stage of life, how they handle anger, how they manage people. If you honor them or raise them up to a level they're not ready for, you're not helping them. Think of it with parenting. Your kids or grandkids. Your kids or grandkids. They they throw a fit. Oh, I'm not getting whatever it is I want. If you give it to them, you honor that request, you're actually, you're not training them. They're training you. And you're not setting them up for success. Because they're going to repeat the pattern like a dog returning to their vomit because you have fit them with honor. And vice versa, when you have someone in your life who's acting foolishly, again, we all do it. So the humility here that we all have been here, this isn't like judging other people. This is is a piece of me that's a fool. It's a piece of you that's a fool. When I'm acting foolish or you're acting foolish or someone's acting foolish, you say things that are very mean. You say, I can't believe I said that. Then you get to the point you don't even realize you said it because you think you're justified. You say mean things. You say angry things. You you accuse people of things that may not even be true just because you had sort of a moment of anger. Well, when you're interacting with a family member or a boss or a colleague or a a co-worker or somebody on a committee that's with you who just sort of says mean things, gossipy things, malicious things, don't honor that by saying, well, I can see where you're coming from. Because every time somebody who's a fool has d- divide their own reality. They're going to go looking for somebody to validate their truth. And when you validate a truth that isn't a truth, you're actually not helping them. You're fitting the wrong thing to the wrong situation. That's why right after this verse, uh, Solomon goes on, he says, you're going to receive words, curses from a fool. And when you receive those, it's going to be some harsh words. When your kid throws a tantrum, when your teenager says, you know, no one likes me. When somebody says, you know, no one's ever approved of me around this office. You know, the, the management is totally screwed up. Like a flitting sparrow and a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Well, that was real helpful, wasn't it? In fact, I, I rewrote it in another uh, commentary to sort of help explain what he's saying. You have as little to fear from an undeserved curse... As from the dart of a wren or the swoop of a a swallow. So in other words, if a bird kind of comes down after you, oh, you know, you got to move back a little bit. But, you know, you don't have too much to be concerned about. Same thing is true when foolish people accuse you of things. They question your motives. Oh, you've never liked me. When your kid says I hate you and slams the door. When a kid throws his tantrum on the floor. Don't let that bother you too much. Because that's them trying to push your buttons. And when they push your buttons you're going to end up honoring their request. Just kind of think of it as like, oh, somebody's mad. I hope this person always gossips at the office. They're just kind of a swooping fo- swallow and don't let the curses or things that come out of them bother you too much. That's kind of the idea they're getting at. Have you ever tried to catch a bird? I had one got loose in our house one time when I lived in Atlanta It is very hard. I had like 10 foot ceilings in that house. It is very hard to get a bird out of your house. And trying to chase or talk reason into people who say foolish things, you're going to wear yourself out. We actually that same house. We called it the Bat House because I actually had bats that found a way into my house, and so many a time I'd come to the house and be like, "Caw, kah, and so, actually that's not a really a good bat sound. And, ee, 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 and so I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" And that's like, "Get the bat!" And like, "Get the bat with what?" And so I'm, I grab a laundry basket because it was the closest thing. And I'm chasing this. And it's literally going around and around the ceiling fan, and I'm chasing around with this laundry basket, and finally, I knock it down. The bat can get through a hole the size of a quarter or a dime. I don't know what your laundry baskets look like, but mine have plenty of holes that are five times the size of a quarter or dime. And I'm like, I got it! Oh, it's away! And it came again, right? So you wear yourself out. If you try, and every time a child throws a tantrum, it affects you, you're going to be worn out. So saying, are you done? Okay, now go to your room when you're ready to ask nicely. Then you can have what you want. Or you can't have that, but you can have this. if you're always chasing the gossip in the office always chasing the malicious person you're going to wear yourself out so do not honor a fool by validating things that aren't true or by rewarding or or, um, giving into things that are not going to set them up for success by promoting people too soon i was talking to my friend a couple years ago who uh just was doing, doing some incredible growth. He got into a Bible study with a friend of mine. And he said, I am growing in the Bible in ways I never have before. I am interacting in my marriage in ways I haven't before. I'm handling some issues with lust in my life like I never had before. And I'm learning how to be a little bit more emotionally intelligent for the people around me. It's really been an amazing journey. Hard, hard work, but an amazing journey. He said, I went to talk to my dad. I said, Dad, you know, we just haven't always had a great relationship. But, but um, man, i got to tell you... I, There's some amazing things I'm learning about myself and about work and and about marriage. And it's pretty incredible. He says, as I was was talking to my my father about this, my dad just the whole time was like, really? And he got all done. And my father said, I just feel like you're really losing your edge. Like I just told him all these great things that I changed, but he didn't like these changes. Because I think a lot of the weaknesses I was working on were weaknesses he had that he didn't want to admit were weaknesses. And there's an example of a curse coming from a fool. Somebody who curses you, you shouldn't do this, this isn't going to be good for you, that's not things you should be working on. And it says, you know, just don't, don't, don't fit that into your life when somebody has a curse like that. Don't try and say, well, maybe there's some good piece I should incorporate. It'd be like chasing a bird around. Do not honor a fool. Do not honor the things they say if it's a curse coming from them. The second proverb that he talks about is do not answer a fool according to their folly. Now, that's when we looked at it. That, that um, wheel of fortune game we played. Now, why is that? Well, when you answer a fool according to their folly, that means that you've been sucked into their world. You ever been at a family reunion and you've got certain people have their own world, how they see the world. You know, one person's the victim. No matter what happens, they're always the victim. And they're always trying to suck you into they're the victim. And and by answering a fool according to their folly, you've been sucked into their fantasy world where everything's against them or they're always right and everybody else is wrong, right? And so you've been pulled into their world. Or every time something's upset, they escalate. And then when they escalate, what happens? You escalate. They get mad, you get mad. They get louder, you get louder. You've been pulled into their world because you answered the fool according to their folly. Instead, when they get angry, you don't have to get angry. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah, you should be sorry you feel that way That's what you did. Well, I don't think I did that. It's very hard to not get sucked into the vortex of foolish communication patterns. But the Bible's warning us here. If you answer a fool according to their folly, you're going to end up being like them. You're going to be losing your temper the way you do, being controlling the way you do, gossiping the way you do, etc. So here's what the verse says. The verse says that um, fools only are going to respond to boundaries and consequences. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, too. A whip for a horse, a bridle for a donkey, and you need a rod for a fool's back. Now, this isn't encouraging you know, corporal punishment or hurting people, but in those days when you were learning how to uh, sword fight, you know, often you wouldn't use a sword, you used a stick. And you could say, hey, keep your guard up, keep your shield up, keep your shield up. And that's wise people would say, I'm going to keep my shield up. The fool's going to have to feel that rod hit their shoulder multiple times They go, oh, they're going to fall into the pit five times before they're like, oh, I've got to keep my guard up. When interacting with a foolish person, you're going to have to use boundaries and consequences. Because it's the only thing you understand. Is while wow, that hurt. I don't want to do that again. Oh, it hurt again. Well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Eventually, I'm, I've gone through three marriages. I've gone through, you know, bad, broken relationships. Consequences are going to eventually teach the fool. But while they're in that phase where the fool is running the show, don't get sucked in or you're going to become like them. And here's what he says next, because fools are always going to bring you down to their level. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So if you validate, yes, you are are always a victim, poor you, that all that happens to you, you're not helping them because they're going to become wise in their own eyes and believe their own press. And you're going to get sucked into the same kind of mindset because they bring you down to their level, right? They lose their temper, you lose your temper, you're down a level. They gossip about you, you gossip about them, you're down to a level. They say malicious things, you retaliate with malicious things. So not answering a fool according to their folly is saying, I see some bad habits. I'm not going to repeat the bad habits, even if I'm doing it to retaliate. I'm just going to use boundaries and consequences. Hey, I heard you talked about me. I don't appreciate that. We're not going to have that kind of behavior here in our department. I don't want to hear from it again. So that's the kind of thing that they're getting at here of what it means not to answer a fool according to their folly. Now, if you've been at any family gathering or watch people at family gatherings, I had somebody recently who I saw was at a family gathering. And it was amazing because this person is an adult, this person is mature, and it was amazing that as I saw their sibling walk into the room, immediately they were 12 again. Their siblings' ability with two sentences to just push the buttons and get a rise out of them and get them all riled up and get them all frustrated and get them all angry. I was like, wow, he's good. And I just noticed that he was just putting the bait out there, hooked, hooked, hooked. And it doesn't matter if you are 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60. Have you ever gone home and immediately you feel like you're five again? Immediately you feel like somebody treats you like you're 12 again? And more than that, because you're treated like you're 12 again, you get hooked and start reacting to it. You've stepped into their world. They're treating you like you're not as old as you are. Therefore, you react to it, and you're caught in their world already because you've answered a fool according to their folly because you're reacting to the way they're interacting. I was with my daughter one time, and we were at a family event, and she was watching me try and listen to another family member, and the family member... Uh, who i've been listening to for years always ask me for my advice they never take my advice so this came up again recently hey could you chat could you give me your advice you know i'd really rather not because uh, you know, i've given you my advice and it's not necessarily something that you've you know taken uh, advantage of and that's fine you don't need to take my advice so how about so i'll just listen to what's going on and it sounds like you just need a good listener no i really want your advice All right, so situation, and this person has kind of trained themselves to, no matter what happens, they're a victim, and there's nothing they can do that would ever change the outcome. And so sure enough, they tell me the story. What if you tried this? That wouldn't work. 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 No matter what you did, it won't work, and the net result is nothing I can do. And my daughter came to me afterwards. She's like, wow, no matter what you talk about it, you always end at the same spot. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, yeah. This, it's kind of like there's this world, and they're not really inviting you into the world except to validate their world. And that's what happens when you, when you step into a a fool's world, is that you end up validate. If you validate them, they're even more convinced they're right. And if you don't, then they're not going to talk to you anymore. So do not answer a fool according to their folly. Now the third thing talked about here, the third proverb is, do not communicate through a fool. Now this sounds like common sense, but I'm telling you family systems and corporations and family dynamics within your department are all set up for triangles, not straight lines. Here's what the Bible warns us about communicating through a fool. When you send a message by the hand of a fool, you might as well cut off your own feet and drink violence. Isn't that nice? When you decide to communicate through a foolish person, it is like cutting off your own legs and drinking violence. Why would anyone do that? Well, here's what it looks like. It's when you triangulate. Hey, I don't want to talk to dad, but could you tell dad that so-and-so is upset about what happened here and immediately you've created a triangle. Hey, I don't want to talk about so-and-so, about the concern I have about that meeting, but if you could tell so-and-so that I was concerned, then you'd be able, they'd know, but I wouldn't have to talk directly. Triangles. And now, okay, well, I can say this to this person, but they don't know this part, but that part, just all kinds of gossip begins to happen. You know, they're always like this. Everybody feels that way. And the more you cannot communicate through these foolish triangles, the more you're going to have so much more freedom in your life. In fact, i talk about it in just a second. Let me continue what he says, because he uses the word like three times here. He says, like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in a fool's mouth. The reason you don't communicate through a fool is they aren't going to use the proverb anyway. Just like legs that are limp, so is giving good advice to the fool. He says, like, one who binds a stone in a sling is giving honor to a fool. That stone is gone. It is no longer with you. That was not a good use of time. It's out of here. Like thorns that go into the hand of a drunkard. That didn't hurt. I used to play volleyball at the sports center. And our games were, like, at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and midnight. And so I was probably older than everyone else playing by 10 years. And they were all coming, like, right out of college, like, Uh, soccer teams but they're all drunk as can be and I just not I'd never played co-ed league so I was not used to being slammed up against the glass by by girls Uh, and I certainly wasn't used to being you know blasted into people who are totally drunk didn't feel the pain I'm I'm, the next day I'm like oh and they're like oh they're fine so that's kind of the idea here. It's like a thorn in the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool because of that why keep giving advice to somebody who's not going to take it Why communicate through those triangles? My friend Peter told a story. He said that his mom had a real strong need to be needed. So because of that, she always caused conflict in the family so she could solve the conflict she just caused. It looked like this. You know, Peter, I was talking to your brother. He's kind of upset at you. I haven't talked to my brother in six months. That's what he's talking about. (laughs) Really, because that doesn't sound like him. Well, you know what? I, I could try and smooth things over if you want, but... uh, well i don't are you sure oh i'm sure hang up the phone call up the brother just talking to peter he's concerned something's going on with you i understand you're upset with him i'm not upset with him well he's he's wondering if you're upset at him right and suddenly you got this triangle and again, this happens in offices. This happens everywhere. And this is when you communicate. through It doesn't mean mom wasn't a nice person. doesn't mean mom isn't lovable and God doesn't love her and you shouldn't love her and you shouldn't honor her. But in this specific slice, in a specific moment, she's operating in a foolish way. So communicating foolishly through a triangle is not going to set up long-term success. So Peter called his brother and said, Hey, I got a call from mom. She says you're upset. I don't know if you are or not. But here's what I going to promise you. If I'm ever upset with you, I will call you directly. And if you're ever upset with me, call me directly. And then when we talk to our mom, let's just talk about things besides each other with mom, like life and what's going on. And it just changed the dynamic of their family when he decided not to communicate using this foolish triangle method. It's not easy to do. Most families and most environments are set up for triangles, not for straight lines. But if you can get out of that system, you're going to save yourself a lot of drama. Now, initially, you're going to be out of it, right? Because that's why you want to stay in the drama, because if you're not in there, they're going to all talk about you. They're going to talk about you no matter what, whether you're in the circle or not. So might as well just get out of the drama and know everybody's going to talk about each other, and eventually they're going to sort of wear each other out. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Jesus has a very similar proverb. He shows up, says, guys, I am the source of wisdom. And I'm telling you, do not cast your pearls these life lessons you've learned, these really treasured uh, proverbs and and things you've learned in business and life, do not cast them before swine. (laughs) In other words, there's people in your life who are not going to take your advice. So don't waste your breath. Don't cast your pearls of wisdom before the swine. Instead, use boundaries and consequences. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But if you ever do want to take my advice, if you ever ask me my advice, I'll give it to you. But don't cast your pearl before swine, is the way he said the same thing. Now, in order to do this, we've got to kind of go back eight weeks and say, one of the challenges in this series has been the ability to let people we love and care about face the consequences and feel some pain in their life. Nobody wants people you love to feel pain. I don't, you don't. But pain is one of the great teachers. So right out of this passage, he kind of summarizes God's approach to this. Here's what he says. He says, the great God who formed everything, great God, loving God, powerful God, and yet what he does is he gives fool his hire. That is when a foolish person does something, he pays him the wages of what he did, pain. Another way is the transgressor gets his wages. When you do something wrong, you're going to experience pain, and God doesn't protect you from that pain, because he knows sometimes that's the best way you're going to learn, As a dog returns to his own vomit, this is why God does it. He wants to give you pain because just like a dog returns to his vomit, a fool repeats his folly. So he's going to make it more and more painful until you learn the lesson. Chapter 5, I read the book. Then he goes on to say, Like a madman shooting fiery arrows at his neighbor's house, is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, (laughs) I was just joking haven't you had people say that in your office or in your family have made some really carving painful mocking statement to you and it hurts and you're like hey I'm like i'm just joking what are you so insensitive for what are you so insensitive i just told you you're ugly you're just ugly come on you're just ugly i just told you you never listen to everybody i just used the never and always statements five times i'm just joking come on have a sense of humor it's like a madman shooting fiery arrows, deceiving you, and saying, Come on, I was only joking. And people like that, you're not going to be able to talk them out of their bad sense of humor. You're going to have to say, Well, I don't appreciate when you say that. When I hear jokes like that, I'm, I'm probably going to have to leave the room. Boundaries and consequences. And then it says last Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. You want to know how to stop gossip in your family? Stop feeding the fire. You want to stop gossip in your workplace? Stop giving wood to it. Because when there's no wood, the fire goes out. Now, it's hard to do that because you're like, I want to know what's going on. Who's mad at who and what's going on and who's, who's maybe dating who? I mean, it, there's an enticing. In fact, the Proverbs says that, that gossip is like dainty morsels of chocolate we can eat. But if you want to get yourself out of the drama where there's no wood, the fire will go out. So we've talked about a lot of Proverbs, but three specific ones. So here's my challenge or takeaway for you. I want you to pick a person you've been thinking about and pick a proverb that applies. And think, how do I want to do this in my life? Now, that person might be you. You might go, oh my goodness, I have made the same mistake over and over again. I'm the person, and I have gossiped. I have triangulated. I have gotten promoted too quickly, and I didn't have the skills or the discipline I needed. I doubt many of you are thinking of yourself, but that's a really mature way to handle this message. A less mature, but equally uh, important, is to pick somebody and say, you know what, you're right, I let my kids' tantrums control me, it just creates so much tension in me, I need to not honor that. Or I've got a sister, or I've got a, I've got a mother, and I've got a father, I've got a son who always sucks me into their victim world, or into their controlling world, or, or they, they blow up and I blow up and... I am entering the folly of my son or my dad's life, and I'm reacting to him or to her. My daughter. Pick a person, and pick a proverb that you want to try and specifically apply to that situation this week. Or maybe you need not communicate through a fool. Maybe something going on a kid's team, and everybody's talking through other people instead of talking directly to the coach. But pick a person and pick a proverb. And this can be done at a personal level, a family level, or even a corporate level. I don't know how many of you uh, heard the story. I saw him interviewed at a leadership conference I went to of uh, Alan uh, Mulally, the CEO of Ford. So he had his whole life been working in the airplane business. And so his whole career had been in airplanes. But he got picked to be the new CEO of Ford. And of course, everyone in Detroit is like, what do you bring in somebody from the airplane business, Boeing specifically? into the automobile interest. This is a terrible hire. This is a terrible decision. This is never going to work. So he shows up at the news conference, and he gets asked a legitimate question by news reporters. What makes you think you're qualified to be able to lead an automotive company? So again, legitimate question, but he handled it a little bit like like you handle a fool. He didn't answer them according to their folly. You know, they presumed he was guilty, presumed he was incompetent. He turned to the news reporter. He says, well, the average car has 10,000 parts. The average airplane I built for 20-something years has 2 million parts. And we've got to keep that thing in the air. No more questions. They hired the right guy. But see how even they start off, I'm going to presume you're unqualified. He didn't answer according to the folly. He then, as he began to lead the company, the first thing he noticed when he pulled up into the executive parking lot is that none of the executives at Ford owned a Ford He's like, huh, Toyota, Honda, the whole executive parking lot was not filled with Fords. so it struck him. Then as he had his first meeting with the team, he realized that the organization was repeating its folly because it had created executive meetings that nobody talked about the real problem. They had a red, green, uh, yellow uh, stoplight approach to problems. So he'd go around the executive table, all right, how are we doing in uh, the Northwest Division? Green. All right, how about this division? Green, green, green. It's green, green, green all the time. Always green. The culture had been, you just pretend that it's green because you don't want to look bad in front of the people. He's like, guys, how are we going to solve any problems if we're always pretending that we don't have any problems? Right? We're just dog returning to his vomit. He says, we're going to start talking about real issues. And so he'd ask questions. He'd say, that's not green, that's yellow. That's not yellow, that's red. He said, guys, here's the deal. We're a team. And part of being a team is it's not that you are the problem, it's you have a problem. So you have a problem in distribution. Why is that? Well, I think it's because of this and this. All right, how can we as a team help that problem? Now, many people resisted this. It made you feel embarrassed. It made you feel like maybe you weren't, didn't have your act together. But the whole culture changed where instead of protecting your turf and protecting your reputation, the team began to operate in truth. They began to not repeat the same mistakes, produce the same things that had not been, been working because of his leadership. And I love that story because here's somebody who basically said we're going to stop being a fool repeating our folly but to do that we're not going to answer a fool and pretend everything's green when it's not. We're not going to communicate through foolish lines of communication that pretend that all is well when it's not. But we're also going to address truth. So there's an example of applying that to a news reporter to a team and organization. In fact, the one guy who walked in the meeting one week uh, Alan tells a story and said I got a big red on this area. Everybody's like, whoa, that guy's going to be fired next week. Alan purposely took him and sat him right next to him at his table at the next meeting. Wow, when you tell the truth and say that you're not doing well in one area, you get promoted, <laughs> or at least you get seated in a better place. It was Alan's way of really trying to communicate I'm going to honor people who are honest about even their failings. Now, doing this kind of work that we've talked about for the last eight weeks is not easy. It's much easier to see other people being a fool than to see yourself being a fool. It's very easy to be arrogant. It's very easy to be judgmental. It's very easy to not look in the mirror. On the other hand, when you do see some truth, sometimes you're going to have to leave some relationships behind. Because the dysfunction that you've been in for so long, when you change, the dysfunction does not want you to change. It's going to want to pull you back in. So you're going to have to leave some things behind. You're going to have to face some fear. You're going to have to be very, very courageous. But if you will face that and go on that journey you will have a so much better life living in truth, living in freedom and not in drama and caught in the quagmire of foolishness. So listen to this next song and maybe ask yourself, what is it that I might need to leave behind if I'm going to go on this journey of facing my past and my past patterns? Let's listen. Well, let's pray together. Father, it's not easy to move on. It's so much easier to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. It's so easy to be blind to the dumb things we do while judging everybody else for the dumb things they do. So, Father, I just ask for humility. Humility in our own hearts to be open to feedback, to be open to the truth of what part we might be playing in our own dysfunction. And, God, you'd give courage today that you would say that everything we've done wrong, every foolish thing we have done and will do has been forgiven. So in the grace of that covering, we would be honest with ourselves. And in the honesty with ourselves, Father, that you would give people courage they need today to look in the mirror. Wisdom to navigate some very challenging circumstances at their office or maybe in their family. And God, you would teach us how to be wise as you were wise. But not in in a puffed up, entitled, self-righteous kind of way, but from a deep place of humility, just so grateful that you would guide us and direct us in ways that we're not smart enough to figure out by ourselves. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, man, before you leave today, I just want to give a quick update and a a quick uh, kind of exciting thing happening. Number one, uh, I just want to let you know that construction is going to start around here in the next couple weeks. We've been talking for the last year about putting in video equipment for video archive services and video services. Turner is going to be here in about 10 days to start construction on that. So that's very exciting. We also have an app that's under development. It's going to allow you a chance to watch our services on an app. However, in putting that together, we also want you to be able to search by sermons on uh, parenting, messages on depression or whatever it is. And so a few of those costs are running a little bit higher than we originally thought because we're adding new services. So if you've not given to our Future Growth Fund, the next two weeks, the next 30 days is really mission critical for us because we have some additional needs we think are really important, but we haven't got the money for those additional things. So this would be a great chance if you haven't given to that to put some money in or stop by, ask questions at the hearth room to me or to Marcus. But it's a very, very exciting time in our church where we have video services coming in the next month or so. As we look to the end of the year, we're going to have the services up and running. So that's going to be very, very exciting. Secondly, as a gift to you and another inviting opportunity, we have an event we do each year called Kaboom. And if you've never been to Kaboom, it's going to happen this year on Saturday, August 17th, from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Rosie Fireworks comes out here and shoots fireworks off over our pond. We do that for all of our volunteers to say thank you. But then we open it up to everyone else too. For you to come, have a picnic, sit with your kids, sit with your grandkids, eat some delicious ice cream, just hang out out there, maybe invite friends who've never been to a church service, but they'd love to come for some free fireworks and ice cream. So make this an inviting opportunity for us to be generous to you and to your friends and to thank you and your family for your giving. Thank you for this incredible year that's setting us up for the next stage of our church's development, and we'd love to see you at Kaboom for some ice cream and fireworks. We'll see you all next week with a brand new series, The Benefit of the Doubt. Thanks so much.